The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. What do you think, Jack? You think if you pick up all the bus driver's teeth, they'll give you another medal? Jeez. You think I wouldn't have been prepared? Two years I spent setting up that elevator job. Two years I invested myself in it. You couldn't understand the kind of commitment that I have. You ruin a man's life's work, and you think you can walk away. You got blinders on to the world. But I got your attention now, didn't I, Jack? Why didn't you just come after me? No, this is about me. This is about my money. This is about money due me, which I will collect. $3.7 million. It's my nest egg, Jack. At my age, you gotta think ahead. When I find you... Pop quiz, hotshot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? And so sets the premise for the 1994 hit movie Speed, a movie that was not only commercially successful, but critically as well. Quite a bit of praise was directed at the film's dialogue, but Graham Yost, the credited screenwriter of Speed, claims to have written almost none of it. How could this be? Well, oftentimes in Hollywood, if a movie or TV script doesn't seem to be working, a production calls in a writer known as a script doctor to help with anything from consulting to polishing to even rewriting an entire screenplay. The script doctor they called to work on Speed was a man named Joss Whedon, a TV writer for Roseanne whose only produced screenplay was a 1992 critical flop called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. After working as a script doctor, Whedon was approached to turn Buffy the Vampire Slayer into a television series for the struggling TV network, the WB. The show lasted for a critically acclaimed seven seasons, and with its spin-off Angel, Joss Whedon became known for challenging viewers' expectations of what fantasy storytelling could deliver. In 2012, Joss Whedon was handed the reins to Marvel's The Avengers, which not only became the top-grossing movie of 2012, but with earnings exceeding $1.5 billion, it also became the third top-grossing movie of all time. On September 24, 2013, ABC Television debuted a TV series based on The Avengers, with its pilot written and directed by Joss Whedon himself. On this episode of Arts Review and Commentary, it's going to be all about the man whose contributions to television, movies, web originals, and comic books have raised the bar for good writing. This is Ark. God bless television. To the movies. To good movies. To every possible kind. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks. Is that a hair gel? <coughs> Loud noises! There's no crying in baseball! That's not even a word! Game over, man. I'll be back. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! These are their stories. From now on, I order you watch more television than ever before. Welcome once again to an all-new episode of Arts Review and Commentary. I'm your host, Omar Latiri, and I'd like to take a second to thank everyone for their words of encouragement and positive feedback regarding last week's debut episode. I look forward to continuing these shows, and I hope you do as well. Now, the first time I learned about Joss Whedon was through my girlfriend at that time. 
She'd been a big fan of the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I didn't really want to watch it because I'd heard that the movie was terrible. But my girlfriend was insistent that I give the show a chance because it was nothing like the movie. And so it was that I tuned in with her for the third season premiere, and I was instantly hooked. On a superficial level, I enjoyed watching it because it was a show that featured a hot chick doing martial arts and staking vampires. But I also saw something more. You see, Xena, Warrior Princess, like Buffy, was a well-written fantasy series with a strong female protagonist and an awareness of the intelligence of its audience. But what Buffy did uniquely was to take the audience's preconceived notions of what storytelling should be and turned it on its head. I mean, for goodness sakes, the show's heroine was a 90-pound blonde girl named Buffy, and I'm supposed to believe she's dangerous? And therein lied the whole point of the show, that appearances can be deceiving. I am your mother, and you will make time to explain yourself. I told you. I'm a vampire slayer. Well, I just don't accept that. Open your eyes, Mom. What do you think has been going on for the past two years? The fights, the weird occurrences. How many times have you washed blood out of my clothing and you still haven't figured it out? Well, it stops now. No, it doesn't stop. It never stops. Do, do you think I chose to be like this? Do you have any idea how lonely it is? How dangerous? I would love to be upstairs watching TV or gossiping about boys or God, even studying. But I have to save the world again. During the show's run, Buffy the Vampire Slayer quickly established itself as a series that didn't pander to the lowest common denominator. Even though its characters were in high school, Whedon and his writing team made sure to write the characters with a level of intelligence that, at the time, was higher than the average high schooler portrayed in TV and movies. The show also experimented with different ways a television episode could be told. In the fourth season episode, Hush, demons take away the townspeople's voices so they're unable to scream when their hearts are harvested. Which meant that for over half of the episode, no dialogue was spoken. Ironically, this episode would receive an Emmy nomination for writing. The fifth season episode, The Body, featured no musical score, grounding the show in a reality that comes when a loved one dies unexpectedly of natural causes. And perhaps most famously, in the episode Once More with Feeling, the show became a musical with songs composed by Joss Whedon. When the Buffy character Angel spun off onto his own series, the shows became symbiotic. Events that occurred on an episode of Buffy would carry over to a following episode of Angel and vice versa. Newcomers to Angel could have a hard time dealing with characters established on a previous show, but every now and again, there would be helpful explanations along the way. Okay, I'm still trying to get this family tree straight. Darla sired Angel. Correct. And Angel sired this Drusilla. Back when he and Donna were together, yes. But before Angel got his soul back, right? Certainly. Now these lawyers, they brought Darla back as human. Now this Drusilla vamp goes and bites Darla? So it would seem. Making her a vampire again. That's the cosmological upshot, yes. Darla's human self has died. And sometime before dawn, unless Angel can stop it, she will rise again, a soulless demon. So that means... Clock is ticking. No, nah, no, nah, what I'm saying is that means the granddaughter remade the grandmother. Oh. Yes. Man, somehow that weirds me out more than the whole blood-sucking thing. Everybody got that? Moving along. Take my love. 
In 2002, spurred on by the successes of Buffy and Angel, Joss Whedon created another television series, a space western called Firefly. The show was gritty, darkly humorous, and disturbing all at the same time. Unfortunately, the show was brought to an unceremonious end after only 11 episodes. Much of the blame for the cancellation fell on Fox Television for airing the episodes out of order, marketing the show as a light-action comedy, and then broadcasting the show on Friday nights. With Buffy the Vampire Slayer having finished its last season on UPN, Angel lasted one more season on the WB before it, too, was canceled. In two years, Joss Whedon went from having three television shows on the air to having none. When we come back, Whedon strikes back with a movie, a new TV show, and an internet musical? I'm Mark. And I'm Lowell. Together, we do the Mark and Lowell Show here on the Realm Network. And each week, Buzz Burbank joins us as we present the Mark and Lowell for Premium Show. It's an uncensored weekly chat about our lives and about pop culture, you know, stuff we like. It's funny and anything can happen. And get this, it's just 99 cents an episode, $3.50 for a month, $10.50 for three months, or the big package, $39.95 for the whole year. But, lol, yes. But, did you know that when you buy a one-month subscription, you don't just get our new shows for that month, you get a month of access to every per premium show we've done on the Realm Network this year. No other podcast we know of gives you that option. The per premium show is the best entertainment we offer and it helps support all the shows on the Realm Network. So do yourself a favor and go to markandlowell.com to sign up for the poor premium shows. It's a whole new realm of news and entertainment. Everybody, I got bad news. We've been canceled. Oh, no. Peter, how could they do that? Well, unfortunately, Lois, there's just no more room on the schedule. We've just got to accept the fact that Fox has to make room for terrific shows like Dark Angel, Titus, Undeclared, Action, That 80s Show, Wonder Falls, Fastlane, Andy Richter Controls the Universe, Skin, Girls Club, Cracking Up, The Pits, Firefly, Get Real, Freaky Links, Wanda at Large, Costello, The Lone Gunman, A Minute with Stan Hooper, Normal Ohio, Pasadena, Harsh Realm, Keen Eddie, The Street, American Embassy, Cedric the Entertainer, The Tick, Louie, and Greg the Bunny. Is there no hope? Well, I suppose if all those shows go down the tubes, we might have a shot. Just because Firefly wasn't successful on television didn't mean that people couldn't enjoy it. It was around this time that entire seasons of television shows were being marketed on DVD. And like Family Guy, Firefly found new success on home video. But while Family Guy was renewed on television, Firefly came back to audiences in the form of the motion picture Serenity. The entire cast was reunited, and the film was a commercial and critical success. The movie was filled with the same action and humor that made the TV show popular with its new and larger audience, but Serenity also fell victim to one of Joss Whedon's notorious storytelling devices, the unexpected death of a major character. I'm a leaf on the wind. Watch how I soar. One of the most famous lines from Serenity, a line that is as inspiring as it is bittersweet, a testament to an artist's skill to make such an innocuous line be aspirational, silly, and poignant all at the same time. 
In 2008, three years after the release of Serenity, the Writers Guild of America was in the middle of a strike, hoping to seek greater compensation from the profits that studios were generating, with much of the increased revenue coming from the aforementioned home video sales. Television production consequently suffered as no scripts were being written. It was during this time that Joss Whedon embarked on a different venue for storytelling. Inspired by a short web series called The Guild, Whedon created a three-part webisode musical called Dr. Horrible's Sing-Along Blog. It featured Nathan Fillion, the star of Firefly and Serenity, The Guild's own Felicia Day, and How I Met Your Mother's Neil Patrick Harris as the titular Dr. Horrible. The quality of the production of this web miniseries was extremely professional, and the resulting product earned numerous accolades, including a Creative Arts Emmy Award. What's more, the DVD features two commentary tracks, one of which is a musical commentary sung by the cast and writers. Hello, Echo. How are you feeling? Did I fall asleep? For a little while. Shall I go now? If you like. Dollhouse had a lot going for it. Buffy veteran Eliza Dushku was starring as the show's lead, and it had a built-in audience of Whedon's fans from Buffy, Angel, Firefly, Serenity, and Dr. Horrible. Unfortunately, it also had a lot going against it. Dollhouse featured characters who could be programmed to be other people, which challenged the show's cast to portray a wide range of personalities. But those personalities would be reset at the end of each episode and the blank, childlike state that the characters would become made audiences initially unable to connect with them. The show found its footing midway through the first season, but by then it was too late. The ratings never justified the expense of producing this show, and Dollhouse was cancelled after two short seasons. When we come back, a wrap-up of the Marvel Cinematic Universe leading to the Avengers, and my quick review and commentary of the first episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hi, this is Buzz Burbank. The new fall TV season's getting underway, and I'm here to help you get ready for it. New shows on broadcast and cable networks are making for an interesting season, and I can help you find the hits and avoid the misses. Join me and Mark Ronick on the Realm Network for this premium special, just 99 cents. It's my annual fall preview, available now at buzzburbank.com. What does S.H.I.E.L.D. stand for, Agent Ward? Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division. And what does that mean to you? I mean, someone really wanted our initials to spell out S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's go back to 2006, when Marvel Comics decided to produce its own films based on its comic book characters. It formed Marvel Studios, and the plan was to introduce lesser-known superheroes and then ultimately combine them for a superhero team-up movie. In 2008, Iron Man was released, creating the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and its success led to, in order of release, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, and Captain America. The stage was set for The Avengers, and Marvel Studios knew that whoever would direct this movie had to be someone who could not only handle a big-budget motion picture, but also handle an ensemble cast while simultaneously understand the source material. They picked... Joss Whedon, whose resume includes writing for Marvel Comics. The results speak for themselves. The Avengers took characters from five different movies, meaning five different visions, added new characters, and combined it into a product that came together seamlessly. 
those who hadn't seen any or all of the five previous movies were still able to jump right in and enjoy it. And they enjoyed it to the tune of $1.5 billion. After Iron Man 3, we now have a television show set in a universe already established by seven separate movies. No other television show has begun with such an extensive setup. As mentioned in the previous episode of ARC, a television pilot is usually heavy on the setup to sell the TV studio on the idea that it's a worthwhile investment. Unfortunately, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. relies too much on setup with not a lot of payoff at the end. Every main character has a mysterious past hinted at, not the least of which is the character of Agent Coulson, who was supposedly killed in the Avengers. Now, as you can probably tell, I have a lot of trust in Joss Whedon's abilities to helm this show in an exciting direction. I just hope that it won't take as long to find its footing as Dollhouse. That's it for this episode of Arts Review and Commentary. Be sure to catch the next ARC episode where I'll talk about how terrorism is depicted in movies and TV in anticipation for the return of the Showtime series Homeland. Like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcreviews, follow the show on Twitter at arcreviews, and you can email me at artsreviewandcommentary at gmail.com. My name is Omar Latiri, and this is ARC. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network. 